Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Did you ever watch The Twilight Zone? Remember The Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was down on the base of glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Extend their arm. Oh, I love those. I always wanted those briefcases. Oh, you know what? I had a fucking note to mention that briefcase. God damn it, and I forgot. What? What do you need? Oh. We're on episode two. We didn't do that one yet. Oh, no. so hey, let's hey guys, we're ready to cook with gas here. <laughs> hey, I everybody, got this is zoned out. <laughs> That's a good time to open it. This oh, is that I is mean. a good time. <laughs> there you go. That's great. That's a perfect opening. Hello, yeah. everybody. Welcome to Zoning Out. I'm Chris Feinstein. Or zoned out. Is it zoning out? No, zoned zoning out. out. Zoning. Is it zoning? Out? Oh wow. Zoning out. Ha <laughs> Did you ironic. name it? <laughs> I don't remember. I was high. Are we talking about the Twilight Zone? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Twilight Zone. Everybody, this is Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. I'm Frank Bonacci. I'm John Sachs. I'm Judd. Judd here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's like Madonna. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's good. And by I the like way, if, if you tuned into the last week, I'm still the writer-director of Welcome to the Future, a Comic-Con movie on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, I'm excited for this one because our boy's in this one, Chris. Yeah. Boy. I know. I, I'm really. I got so pumped when I saw my our boy show up I didn't, in this episode. I didn't Did realize. Did you recognize him? You, you want to hear something crazy? He looks exactly like Richard Tyson. Okay. Yeah, he does. Crisp from uh, Kindergarten Cop, the bad yes, guy. I, I know Richard. I said, oh, yeah. what? The... A three o'clock high. Is... Yeah, three. Yeah, three right. I said, are they? I, I did, did a big dive. I said, are they, are they related? What the fuck? It yeah. looks exactly like him, but it's, you know, you know where he is from. He's Martin, old, uh... it's all psychological. You yell Barracuda, everybody says, huh? What? You yell Shark. We got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Mayor friggin' Vaughn from Jaws. Murray Unbelievable. Hamilton. I was so pumped when I I, I said, this guy, I, I didn't immediately recognize him. I'm like, this guy's so familiar. And it's going to be one of those things. I was mad when I didn't realize who it was. It's like, you mean the movie I've watched like more times than anything? It's just like, how did I not grasp that's Murray Hamilton? And I don't know right off the bat if I would have picked it up if you, we weren't talking about it. If you guys didn't bring it up in like the, the text that we had. Yeah. Oh, I got so pumped. I was like, because as soon as he showed up and I looked it up, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And wow. And you know what? He's a dick yeah. in that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a real bureaucrat in this. Like He does yeah. like I like that. Like, that's what death is. It's just more annoying bureaucracy. Yeah. For those of you also unsure, taking the graduate as Mr. Robinson. That's right. He's Mr. Oh, Robinson my God. Too. Right. Yeah. One of the all time dicks. Great. Yeah. All time greatest <laughs> dicks. Probably lovely man in real life. Probably. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like Mayor Vaughn. I'm not. Like, I love Mayor Vaughn. I get that he's quote unquote the villain. Oh, but, like, right. But I, I mean, would have voted for him. He was all about like keeping the beach on and let's just party and just go for it. Keep the economy going, baby. And you he know? had that anchor. How could you hate a man in that anchor suit? That anchor suit. You know, he had a lot of problems. He had the karate kids going through breaking fences. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I want you to hang them up by their Buster Browns. Right. <laughs> I, he had I a lot of issues. He, as he had you know, to deal with. friendship. But, but, well, boys, let's be reasonable. <laughs> you can't. I don't want you cutting open that shark and having that kitten boy spilling out all over the dock. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a great movie! Are we going to uh, talk about? Let's just talk about Jaws this episode. Yeah, I can talk about Jaws oh, all day. Really, that's not what we're here for. We are here to talk about episode two of the Twilight Zone, season one, one for the angels. Air date of uh, October 9th, 1959. 
so I got to I got I've been bursting. Yeah, to talk you've been about chomping at the bit because I, I've been I, I when I met John in this like uh, to pick up our actual microphones to record this. I was like, dude, I want to talk about episode two so bad. And he's like, hold it for the <laughs> podcast. Did an Ed impression just now. It's a little John Travolta. Uh, yeah, I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. He hits my hair. Um, see? <laughs> Sorry. Um, because I was, I started looking it up. I'm like, okay, who's the cast? Because like, that's what I've been doing for these episodes. I've just been like, you know, and that's like what I do anyway. Like I always have my iPad on my fat stomach when I'm watching TV and I'm like <laughs> looking everything up. And uh, so I look up Edwin and I'm like, oh, Edwin. And I knew him because of a uh, few things from Ralph Garman's impression of him on Hollywood Babylon, a Kevin Smith podcast. If anybody ever listened to that back in the day, I don't even know if he still does. it, But uh I also know him because he's uh, the voice of the Mad Hatter uh, in uh, Alice the in Alice in Wonderland movie. So I start Googling him and I find out, uh, oh, he's in Requiem for a Heavyweight, which was Rod Serling's huge like thing that basically made him in Hollywood and TV. Like this was like his huge thing. Like And so I wound up watching that. I, I wound up watching Requiem for a Heavyweight and – I know we were like throwing it around when we were talking about like this show and what we we're gonna do. Like, maybe we should watch like his other stuff. Like, and I, I am saying it must be mandatory. We have to watch the TV version. They did a film version a couple years later with Jackie Gleason. Who's that dog? What happened? Excuse me. So there was a dog barking and it threw. Me. <laughs> I didn't hear a dog. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that? <laughs> the wind. So anyway. Uh, oh, I heard oh, that. No, yeah. there it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy, I tell you. Um, uh, what was I saying? I don't remember. Edwin. God. Oh, so I start looking, and uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight is was masterful. It was, and I, I might, it, it, it might have been, <laughs> it might have been a <laughs> that goddamn dog. Shoot the dog. And, uh, <laughs> Wow, you just made a blind date reference in 2022. <laughs> that should be illegal. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, it's it was mind blowing. And honestly, after watching it, I don't know how the rest of this is going to shake out. But yeah, that's the best thing Serling ever wrote, as far as I've seen so far. It is amazing. It's like a next level thing. And it was like such a big deal that they actually. You know, they did it live. These were like in the 50s, they did teleplays. And they actually, and this is the first time I think they'd ever done this. It's like they rebroadcast it. Like they had everybody redo it. Like, and that had never happened before because that's how the demand, it won like every award huh. that year. Now here's the deal with Ed Wynn and like how it applies to this episode. And that uh, he was a comedy actor, like just primarily a comedy actor and like, car like and cartoon voices. Like yeah. that's what he was. Um, uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight was his first dramatic role, and he's he co-stars this along with Jack Palance, who's amazing in it. By the way, like I only know him, like Jack Palance, like I only remember from like That's two you, things. Sugar bum, <laughs> <laughs> and Jack, you remember you're my number one. <laughs> he had to take a breath, a second breath to get one sentence out. You realize that? That's, That's smokes, amazing, man. Oscar winner, by the way. Yeah. For city slickers, Oscar would have. Yeah. Oh, do, do you remember the, the recurring bit with uh, Billy Crystal kept bringing him out year after year and like beat that joke to death because he oh, came yeah. out like he, he used to. Remember he came out with the Oscar in his teeth, push ups and stuff, one handed push ups. Yeah, that was like his bit. Like ah, he's crazy and he's old. Ah. Simpler times. Simpler times. <laughs> so yeah, Edwin had never done like uh, dramatic stuff before, and he's uh, his one of his co stars is Keenan Wynn, who's a great actor who's in a ton of stuff. Uh, and he shares like a lot of scenes with him. They made a television movie a year later about the making of Requiem for a Heavyweight about how uh, hard it was on Keenan Wins and his and Edwin's relationship. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like a dramatized version. And everybody involved with it plays themselves, including Ron Searle, Rod Serling. Really? And it's like this weird TV movie about the, their strained relationship during the make, and they're all playing themselves, like of their strained relationship while making Requiem for a Heavyweight. Hmm. Huh. And it's so weird. It's just like, I watched both of these things, like back to back. I was like, 
And by the end, I was just like, I was floored by Requiem for a Heavyweight. I don't think the TV movie, the the second, like, if you can, seek out Requiem for a Heavyweight. It's actually very hard to find. The only way I could find it, oh, dude, check this out. I found mm-hmm. it on this, we'll get back to Twilight Time, I swear to God. But I found it on this rip of a broadcast from Nick at Night in 1987 with commercials. Oh, that's, dude, that was like, that's your bread and butter right there. Oh, that was like having cocaine in a Cristal bottle. It was so good. <laughs> It was just like, oh my God, this is so good. Thank you. And it was just like, yeah, it was like double nostalgia. It was fantastic. So yeah, I guess that's, I guess this was like Rod Serling's thank you to Edwin because it's a beautiful part that he wrote for him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in, it, Edwin is endearing in this, in this episode. Yeah, I, I, I was, I actually got like choked up a little yeah. bit at the end. And you know, I read the, it's very, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it's very Capra-esque. Yeah. I read something that actually, you know, during the filming of this that, you know, made me well up a little bit because of about Edwin and uh you know, he was he was up there in age at this point. You know, in fifty nine, he died in what, sixty four, maybe? Sixty eight? Yeah, he died a few years later, yeah. So I mean, he was within he was within arm's reach of uh Yeah, he had he had that old man jello head thing going on. And you know, you know <laughs> speaking of being old is that's you know, he couldn't stay up. So they had to film all of it during the day, so all the nighttime scenes, they just hung tarps up to block the sun because you know they filmed outside. Wait, like those exterior so the exterior shots, shots when, they're when they're outside on that set outside, they hung uh-huh. tarps because Edwin That's couldn't insane. stay up at night. Wow, because he's old man. Oh. I said, oh, what a what a guy. And now you hear like you you realize that connection between him and right for everybody. It's like I'm gonna write. It's like, dude, I'm gonna give you like a really glass like great role yeah, to go out yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, very sweet. Yeah, it's a great episode. You- no, you couldn't have created a sweeter swan song for an actor. He sacrifices yeah. himself to save a little girl. Yeah. I mean, what else? I mean, that's the biggest heel push. I mean, that's the greatest face push I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Lou Bookman is his name. Lou Bookman. Lou Bookman. Lou Bookman. Not to be oh, confused with uh, uh, Bookman, the library cop in Seinfeld, who has to chase, <laughs> chase down Jerry because Jerry had uh, never returned Tropic of Cancer. <laughs> that's, that's an early season. That's one of the early great episodes of Seinfeld. Like it wasn't like that season two. It's, it's two or three, three at most. It's two or three. Yeah. That's one of the first like great episodes. Yeah. They, uh, there's a shout in the, the episode when he's reading, when the devil, when the death is reading Bookman's little chart he has, when he's reading his, uh, he has the little pad and paper and he says, oh, you know, father's from Detroit, mother's from Syracuse, things like that. That's uh, it was a little homage to Serling's parents being from, Oh, that's interesting. You know, his father was in from Detroit, and his mother was from Syracuse. So, that, like Rod threw that in there. A nice little. little I love that it's like little thing for his. I parents. love in the. I love in the the opening. Like he's giving the description of Bookman. It sounds like like the description you would have in a script. Right. It's that's how I was gonna say that too. Oh yeah, he like I. Oh, I love. Oh, when they're doing the intro and uh, Death is taking notes behind him and like. When Serling says death, that turn to that really arch turn to yeah, the camera yeah, 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 yeah. was so dope. That's when I that's when I said, that's Richard Tyson. <laughs> Buddy, that was his name at three o'clock high. Uh yeah, it's a really sweet episode. And it's a it's one of the I had this thought when I was watching it, because like once I had the connection of uh of uh, Mayor Vaughn and I started thinking about Spielberg, I really had this thought when I was watching it. This is the episode Spielberg should have adapted when twilight he did twilight zone the movie ah oh. this is like because i you know kick the can i never really cared for we'll get into that when we talk about the movie but i'm not the biggest kick the can no. fan at least the movie version uh it's why I, I feel the weakest story like if you were gonna go because like this is where we first see the twilight zones uh range in terms of you could get the bad ending because this could go south at every moment throughout the show. Like this could go south, and like yeah. knowing the show, especially like when you watch it like out of order, it's like this could go. This is this going to be one of the episodes where it goes south on us, or is it going to be one of those uplifting ones? And like you don't. That's what the great thing about the show is that you don't know. You don't know what you're going to get from episode to episode. Like this could go fun. This could be fun. This could be sweet. Or we're gonna we're gonna make you like real like. We're going to hurt you this yeah. episode. Like, it's going to be some really bad irony hitting these people. Yeah. And this was so sweet. And it's, just, and it's a great episode about uh, kind of caught some anti-capitalist vibes. Like, it's about not really. It's like how we measure success as a society. Right. Like, 
he's a guy who's a salesman, but he's never made a big sale. And it's just like, and it's evident, but, and he lists off like his lack of a death lists off right. like his lack of accomplishments of like, like what we consider accomplishments. Right. And it's like, but no, it's like what we should measure is like, how was he, he was good to the people around him and he's especially good to children. So it's like, right. Wouldn't like if our society was like, right, that's how we measure success. You know what I mean? It's like major question your values. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. Hey, hey, what the hell? Um, really sweet. Like I, I can't, I, I was, I was blown away by it. Like it's one of those things where it's like, it's cool to rewatch these shows. Cause it's like, I used to be bummed out if I'll be honest with when it was the uplifting up ending. Cause I wanted the messed up version. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted something. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, everyone's all right. Kind of. But this was like, so like now I'm watching it as an adult. I'm like, you know what? That's really cool that it had that kind of range. Like I'm like, wow, that was, and especially with, like, especially like with this one, I was just like, really like, wow, I was genuinely moved when I, I don't think if I had watched this when I was younger, this would have been an episode if I'd watched when I was younger, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. I think this is the first time I'm seeing this episode. I probably would have been disappointed. I know I've seen but like it. watching it now. I know I've seen it before this, but this isn't one of those episodes that sticks out. Again, like did Spielberg watch this when he, thinking about Curry, cat, Curry, cat, casting Murray Amsterdam? Currying? <laughs> hmm. um, did he want to curry Murray Amsterdam? <laughs> <laughs> what? Murray Hamilton. I said Murray Amsterdam. Jesus Christ, I'm all over yeah, the that's place. That's all right. We all made mistakes so far this episode. Got Dick Van Dyke on the brain. <laughs> it, it is refreshing to watch this, and this is going to be like throughout this series, I'm sure, but it's just so sincere. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there does, you know, everything today just feels like an algorithm. Even, even when they're trying to go for the, for the sincere moment, quote unquote, it always feels kind of forced. Everything right. about it just feels kind of programmed. This just feels yeah. like so sincere. Uh, there's no like facade to it. Everything about it just feels very real. That's that's the that's you just hit on the head because I was sitting there going like, why would I? Why was I enjoying this so much? Where if a show like hit you with like this pretty heavy-handed morality lesson, like let's like, call it what it is, I did not like. I'd find that very grating in something made today, but. Like, yeah, like what you said, it's like, this does not feel like this was, I was, gen I, this felt sincere. It did not feel false. It didn't feel like, okay, let's give the people a good message. It's like, no, this was like, he had a point. Like, right. he, he had something to say with this one. That's the thing. It's like, it really is, Sterling really was an auteur. Like, he had shit to say. Yeah. One of Death, Death has, Death has this line. He says, I just never will understand you people. You get this idiotic, idiotic notion that life goes on forever. And of course it doesn't. Everyone has to go sometime. Hmm. I mean, again, it's like 1959. It's like after Gunsmoke, you watch this. And it's like, <laughs> oh, right. We, we're all going to die. <laughs> you, just, you just lay in bed with your eyes open. In your twin, in your twin bed next the, across the room from your wife and stare at the ceiling. Honey, I'm going to go buy another carton of cigarettes. I'll be right back. <laughs> I got to think about mortality uh, and how the kids are all going to die and they're, when they're 45. Now, do you think uh, Death actually was interested in the pitch, or do you, that was my big do you question? Think she just wanted to make him feel like, you know, hey, he he pulled it off. He saved this little girl. You know, right? I think I don't think Death really cares about the silk or the the ties, or you know what I mean. No, yeah, I think he pulled a little double dealings on the guy. He pulled a, you know, he he pretended essentially. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be the the you know the buyer for your big pitch. I, I, when I when I watched that scene, my thought was like, if I was ever in a situation where to stall the death of a little girl, I had to like captivate the Grim Reaper through sheer charisma and personality of my sales skills. Like the girl would die immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like, Lou Bookman, like he like does a filibuster to save this girl's life. Yeah, basically. Yeah. If that was me, and I had to like entertain the grim reaper to to get make sure the clock runs out she's dead she's dead in like three minutes at most <laughs> i can't sell <laughs> i'd be I'd, I'd be running down the street <laughs> it's like uh it's like you'll be like uh troy mcclure when he's defending homer <laughs> yeah yeah well i'd start for separating on my nintendo switch collection <laughs> and start talking about that for like five minutes He'd be like, all right, I'm kid, just going to go murder this girl. Anymore. I'm going to go murder In fact, I'm taking child. both of you. <laughs> uh, I'm just taking both of you. I'm welching on this deal. You're insufferable. <laughs> I need to go. 
Yeah, I mean, he really wrote like a, like again, like I think he wrote. I'd love to read more about it. It's like I wonder if he said like I want to write Edwin a really good role for him, like you know, like just this really because like yeah, he's not working much these days, so let's give him something nice to play. He's, he had you know, I think Mary Poppins came after this. Oh my God, he's in Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. That's right. He's a uncle, right? Uncle, what's his name? That's right, Uncle, uncle Man. What's his name? Hmm. Mary oh, that's Poppins. Right. He's Mr. He uncle. loves to dance. Mr. Uncle guy. And not dances. Uh, laugh. He loves to laugh. Uncle Albert. Uncle He's Albert. Up in that's the sky. Right. Yeah, that was sixty-four. He loves to laugh. And they do that little dance. You guys know. Oh. <laughs> this is kind of like this. Really, is no. kind of the perfect second episode, at least for me, because the first episode is so cool by itself, kind of establishing the world of the series. And then the second episode, I get Mayor Vaughn from Jaws, and it's like, <laughs> oh right. The amount of iconic actors who got their start in this series. Oh, my God. Right. I mean, we're going to see the Robert oh. Redfords and the Robert Duvalls, and you just go on and on down this list of, like, some of the best actors, performers we've ever seen when they were nobody. Yeah. When they were, when they were the second and third lead and nobody knew their name. Like, that's going to be awesome to witness. We got a double dose of Shatner coming our yeah. way. And they're both quality episodes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good. Yeah, there's some, and there's some great. Like, like last, like this episode was just like, just you're gonna have some great character actors that show up and stuff. And I, I love looking up those kind of guys because you're like, oh my god, you're in. Oh, you're right. That's the guy from this. I mean, like when we get to Monsters Do on Maple Street, there's like a few actors I really want to talk yeah. about in that because they they hold very special places in my heart. And they get to really cook too on screen. You know, like we talk about this all the time. The idea of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the quote-unquote character actor which never made sense to me it's like aren't all actors character actors it's like a backhanded compliment to to movie stars that they can't act because they're not allowed to it's a weird yeah, whatever but like i watched this show and i'm like oh right this is back in a time where you were encouraged to like really go for it like whatever the emotion was just like go as far as you can whereas if i watch a movie or show today it's like it always feels a little meta they're always a little in on it they're always holding something back because they don't want to look goofy and they know they're going to be a meme or a gif. Whereas this is just like so pure. It's so nice to see something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the acting motto back then was go big or go yeah. home. Like they really did not. They, yeah. If you say, like, okay, you're hysterical. Oh, you want to see hysterical. And they just like crack your <laughs> knuckles and go yeah, to work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like now it's just like, yeah, everything's very controlled, very tight. Yeah. And now, yeah, like those guys then, like, I mean, it's more mannered. It's a more mattern, mannered style of performance than we're used to. But I, I love that style of performance. You get more out of it when you're watching it as an audience member. I would consider yeah. this episode, you know, this is an upper upper echelon Twilight Zone. Yeah, we got to get to a rank. Like, once we get yeah, once we start getting, show, we should think about yeah. a ranking system. And it's funny when I'm, you know, I was looking into this episode and, you know, it was directed by uh, Robert Parrish, who directed three Twilight Zone episodes in his career, and all three of them, he did this one, one you know, one for the Angels, a Stop at Willoughby, oh, wow. and The Mighty Casey. Wow. Oh, those are all solid Three ones. solid episodes yeah. that this guy had his hand in. And you can really... Yeah, that's... Like, a, if, you, if you are a director and you direct three episodes of whatever the biggest show is on TV, it doesn't, you, don't, you wouldn't know that it was that director. Like if you direct right. three episodes of Game of Thrones, it's, not, it's like you're part of a cog in the machine, right? You're just, they have a tone and you're hired to keep that tone in place. But right. if you do Twilight Zone, you can really kind of make a style. And then, right. and then you can flex. Yeah, you can really flex and do different worlds. It's, it's such a great showcase for directors. Yeah. Everything has like a very, like, like networks have a house style yeah. now. Like HBO has a very specific house style, like in how they structure shows. Yeah. Showtime has a feel, and it's, FX has a feel. Yeah. I mean, you hear Kevin Smith talk about it because he directs all those episodes on uh, like the CW, Arrowverse CW. kind of thing. And, you know, he talks about style, it saying yeah. like it's on autopilot. He's just kind of just sitting there. Hmm. You know, he talks about it on his podcast all the time. Yeah. That's a good way to describe the film industry for the most part now. It's just like it's on autopilot. Yeah, it's algorithmic. And it's just like, yeah, there were. They were just, it was the Wild West back then. They were just trying crazy things. Yeah. And this is like, you know, now they actually like, because before it was like very primitive, like the previous decade. It's like, well, it's still, it's still 59. I always like, assume, like I always associate Twilight Zone with the 60s. 
But uh, this is 59. So, like, now they've gotten more sophisticated because now they're, like, we're taking on theater. We're taking on – this is when, like, movie theaters had to, like, come up with CinemaScope and bigger platforms because right. TV's like, we're we coming for you. Yeah, and it was, it's like, right. And TV's like, dogs gotta eat, <laughs> and, come with them, and people in Hollywood and, and movies are like, oh, make the screens wider, damn it! <laughs> but it's like, and make everything three D, and we keep doing that every few deck. Every time TV advances a little bit, it, movies like throw back three D. Yeah, it's like they say, it's like, I mean, I don't know what to do. It's like, well, tell better stories. Nah, nah. make them come <laughs> out the pictures. Make three three D. <laughs> I'm curious if you guys have this thing where a lot it seems like more and more people are saying this to me where they'll say uh there's so much on i don't know what to watch do you guys get that more and more uh, yeah isn't that yeah. weird it's yeah. it's an embarrassment of riches right television today there's too much yeah it's you get like what's called in like uh in gaming ap analysis paralysis you get totally ap because it's just like you have all these choices in front of you that you can't make one right it's just like it's it, it's funny because I, I was just talking to my wife about this that uh you know 20 years ago a show like the americans would be the biggest show on television mm-hmm. and that's just kind of like an afterthought on what is it even i don't even know what network it's on it was, you know when it, it was when it was FX. on fx you know that show was unreal and nobody was watching it my boy's in that michael aronoff's in that oh right 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 yeah a little shout but that's like one, that's one of those shows. Like, there's so many. Well, this is part of the cool thing for me about doing this is that because again, it's like the experience of of watching a show with other people and then talking about it is kind of dying. Like, nothing feels like a shared experience anymore. It's like, hey, check out this show. No. Okay, sure. And then in three weeks or four months, you you eventually watch it. But we don't, there's no shared experience anymore of like the next day you talk about the thing. So like doing this with you guys is right. cool because it's a shared experience. You get to watch the episode and then you talk about it. Yeah. And it kind of, kind of, there's like the communal feel that we used to have, but that's just kind of dying, you know? Yeah. Because it's now it's just binge it all. Yeah. And move on to the next thing. Yeah. And there's so many more platforms for things that, yeah, this has got, that group of people and it's like everything's i mean i guess that's good i mean like on the surface that's good this is more choice is more options is more things that for people who have like niche like you know that has more niche appeal but it getting back to you saying before it's like it all feels very it all a lot of stuff just feels like oh this is for this group of people and it feels very automated right and like there's a weird thing. It's just it feels like product now, right? And I don't know. Like, I, would you cons- consider Twilight Zone horror? Is that you know? Is that something we go with? Is that like a title that you could put on Twilight Zone horror? I mean, because there are some horrific aspects to it. And you know, when in the creation of the show, like we were saying, how like you know it was the Wild West, and you can creatively flex and whatnot. You really don't see that now, except maybe in horror, like indie horror. And, you know, people just trying, not like the, just. I watched Men this, like, recently. Oh, you did? And you want to talk. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's a perfect example. It's, it's That's like, yeah, you won't see, like, <laughs> that's somebody flexing. Yeah, yeah you don't, flexing. right. You, and that's like the only genre where you really see that still. That's what I'm getting Yeah. At. Yeah, even like a sci-fi today is very. That's the thing, like sci-fi, like is it? It's always it's been built. It's it was built to talk about contemporary uh, issues in a way that's more palatable, or just with some just some abstraction to make it more interesting. But like now, it's just like even like when I watch stuff, I said this is it feels pandering, right? Right. Like it's it's talking down to me, and I don't don't get that feeling. Right. Not so much pandering, but right talking down like coming like it's not without trying to sell you something they're trying to talk to you like you're an idiot yes right yeah and this which again which is weird about this show i don't feel that show even though it, it it's very on the nose and very broad in how it approaches things but again i think it's that sincerity that that really keeps it that makes it work right when it could when it necessarily when it necessarily shouldn't yeah i agree you know what's interesting though um, 
because the show because it's so old this series you you can if you dig deep enough i'm sure you can find some sort of recaps and reviews of stuff but for the most part you're just forced to create your own thoughts and opinions whereas like any Mm. movie or show today you can just kind of listen to a podcast or read a million reviews and go through twitter and then by the time you're finished seeing the movie you don't have any thoughts anymore you've just been filtered with a million other opinions and it's like i'm battling what other people think this is i don't have anything to read about what other people thought so it's just me and you guys so it's it's interesting that to be in a situation where you're forced to think about it more which i never do anymore really when i see a movie or a show does that make sense no right Hmm. no absolutely yeah your mind's made up for you before you even see it most of the time right like yeah, I watch those stuff damn, now. Those damn tomatoes like, tell me what to think. Yeah, the tomatoes. <laughs> those tomatoes. The tomatoes are evil because it really. Even if I don't, I sit there and go, I don't want this to influence my opinion. If it's like at fifty percent or sixty percent, I go, it's not going to influence my opinion. I'm a, I'm a, I have my own brain, damn it. And they come out of the movie, it's like well, that was about sixty <laughs> percent. Yeah, right. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Yeah, and they That's, lead with that now. It's like. Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, well, let me see the movie before I make up my mind about being certified fresh. <laughs> That's it's why I like diving. I like deep diving. Like this whole like last few years, and John's been like along for the ride. Is I've just been deep diving through older media, like older movies, old TV, because it's it feel it's so like the way they do things or like the it feels it feels very alien. It feels actually oddly new because everything has like, you know, everything kind of looks kind of homogenous now. And that's like how probably it feels in every decade because everything kind of has like each decade has its own look and feel um, for the most part. But like everything like I'm so I find it very stultifying, like how things look now. That when I go back and look at stuff that's older, it feels new and feels fresh. Like, oh my god, because it doesn't look like everything else. So I, I watch movies just like from the seven. Like I watch a lot of movies from the seventies and a lot from the sixties, and it's like, wow, this is so radically different. It doesn't feel old; it just feels different, right? Which is which yeah. is neat, and that's why I like watching. No, no, movies. no. I was gonna piggyback that. Me, so me and Frank, uh, early COVID, were just he was mostly sending me seventies movies that I hadn't seen. And each thing I saw was awesome. It, it's like, you know, it, each time I'd watch one of the, his wrecks, it'd be like, uh, like, it'd be like if I had been inside for three days and then I finally went for a run. I'm like, oh, this feels nice. Like my brain is working again. Like if, uh, all every aesthetic performance, direction, tone, rhythm of movies back then, like to so go back to Murray Hamilton, right? Like my oldest perfect movie is The Graduate which is 68. Like I, I don't have any movies prior to that one that I think are just kind of perfect, but that's right. But the graduate is my oldest perfect movie. Yeah. And it, it's like when you, that's why, again, it goes back to what we were talking about. I think in the last episode about like, it just feels timeless this mm-hmm. show and like a lot of good, like stuff that like, like I don't think there's a lot of stuff that feels that way. It's like, I don't know. Like, I'm telling you, I hate this. Story. A lot of Sopranos are starting to look a little dated. Oh, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit really? dated. It's starting to feel a little yeah. bit dated. I, I, not, in no, not in a good way. And, like, Buffy. Dude, Buffy is... Like, I'm a... We're big Buffy. Like, uh, well, we used to be Joss Whedon fans, and we apologize for everything that evil man has done. <laughs> Jesus. We didn't no. know. We just thought he was a cool dude like red comic books. <laughs> um... But like I watch Buffy and I'm like, wow. And I thought that show was like it's still it's still amazing. It's like I thought like what it did uh, structurally was pretty amazing. And now I look at it, yeah. wow, this is a lot of a lot of scenes show. Yeah. I'm actually and, like sorry, I'm uh going through Dollhouse right now with my wife because she's never yeah. seen it. And you know I was talking it up before uh, we watched it, and now like on episode six, I'm like, this isn't really that great as I remember <laughs> it. Yeah. She's like, you really love this show, huh? I said, yeah, I guess I think I did. Maybe <laughs> not. And that we yeah. haven't put it back on since episode six. 
yeah, there's certain shows. I, th- I I will say I think Breaking Bad might feel timeless. I, I don't know. That's just my I've watched feeling, Breaking gut Bad. Feeling. I did a, a rewatch fairly recently, and it's so good. It's just. I mean, it's it's like one A or one B for best drama ever. I mean, the last the last season and it's the third to last episode is just like in mind like mind blowing. Like it's I think it's the best episode of a drama ever made is the third to last, third to last the third to last episode. episode. Yeah, it's Where amazing. Everything happens. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, like you could have ended it on that episode. And I would. It, it makes the last two episodes like, feel anticlimactic because it's so incredible. Yeah, I mean the the the, the last episode's just like rewarding on a very almost not I hate to say superficial, but it's reward it's fun. Yeah. Where that episode it I mean Hank's death everything oh, every, brutal everything, everything. brutal dude his his phone when his phone call to Skyler when the feds are listening is I said they should need to cancel acting awards for the next <laughs> few years because there's nothing that's going to come close to this ever. Like I mean, like I was, it's it floors you that 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 scene. Yeah, it's just, and it, it's perfect. I mean, yeah, there's very few shows that that feel that way. Like, oh dude, oh dude, you want to talk about dated? The Shield, bro. Oh my god, and we love the Man. Shield. I I think I lasted through early season two on my rewatch because I just couldn't, I just couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. Seriously. I tried to, right? That was another one I tried to watch, and I said, I I don't care. I don't care about it. They really shoehorn those curses in those first few episodes, and it's crazy because yeah. it's like it's it's because the beginnings of like the loosening up of like basic cable yeah, restrictions. Right. So they're saying they're saying cuss words like <laughs> willy nilly in, in context that don't even make like, sense. Oh, that shit and chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like yeah, I'm gonna, it really is. Ridiculous. I'm gonna fuck throw that shit and chair at you. <laughs> Copper. <laughs> It just tries so hard to be badass, and it's just yeah. it's forced, yeah, it's and it's so worse. Edgy. Yeah. Let me ask, because we're already sidetracked. Uh, oh, with the ball, the bag, the bag, boogie, the, the, the end of the pilot. It's like, yeah. okay, take it easy, edgelord. Yeah. <laughs> does uh does The Wire hold up? It's, it's still it's still I haven't it's watched The Wire in a long time. Yeah, The Wire is really I'm afraid. Cool. I watched it not too long ago, wire. and I really enjoyed it. But I wanted to, I wanted to read the room before I admitted it. <laughs> no, it's, it's I think it's that. I I I've been rewatching the heavy hitters lately, and it's like The Wire, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. That's another. That's see that that goes back to your point. Like Mad Men feels timeless because it's when it's set. Yeah. You know? So there is something interesting to rewatching these Twilight Zone episodes, and each one feels kind of timeless. And it's also like I don't I, I don't usually when things feel like from a that feels certain, like you know, definitely from a different time. I don't feel that it's like to the show's detriment. Like that's fun to right. watch. Like look how people behave back then, and look at their like the things they worried about back then. Like, that's interesting. Even like like the first episodes about the space race. It's like we're not worried about the space race now, but it's still fascinating that that's what people were worried about in 1959. Yeah. Like that's like that doesn't make it any less interesting. It's just like wow, that's what we. That's a cool little history. Should we be right? <laughs> Maybe. Should we be though? But it's not a novelty. Whereas, like at least for me, when I when I was watching the latest season of uh, Stranger Things, I was like, this feels like goofy. Like you're using the the time and the setting as like a prop. Like it doesn't feel timeless. It that this right. Feels- the time is a character. Yeah. In those, mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. starring the '80s. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, hey, remember Ghostbusters? Kind of out remember on Ghostbusters? Right. You like you that? Like right? that stuff? Here's some. I'm getting a little burnt out on the '80s nostalgia, and I hate to say, we, I was kind of listen. I apologize because I was all in. I was pushing for it. I think we all were a little bit. Now it's got. It's I think we got our fix. We got our it's fix. Like, he did it. I'm good. He did it. He needs to stop now. But you know, if you remember though, in the this is why Twilight Zone hit with a lot of us because if you remember in the eighties, those who were alive back then, Justin, <laughs> I remember, uh, <laughs> is that the if you remember, aesthetically, it was eighty, it was fifties deluxe. Oh, that's right. what the eighties right. was. It was like it was fifties nostalgia. Like, go look at commercials back then. Everything's like a riff, like a eighties out version of a fifties song. 
my my like the chunky commercial hey now hey now chunky's back yeah. <laughs> it's all 50s and 60s right. you know, why don't things have jingles anymore commercials there's no jingles it's a where have melodies gone in media in general I, have you noticed that I, I i've been watching a lot of old commercials on youtube and the double mint gum you know I, those are those were you know you can snap a snap along with those. There's no jingles anymore. You know what I think happened? Chris? I think we had a, a catchy jingle with Subway, and then Jared ruined uh, and then the jingle. Jared Jared. Kids, and then he ruined the meaning of five dollar foot long. That was the last one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Five dollar foot long. He soured the meaning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like yeah. But there's like there's very few noticeable like memorable melodies and like movies anymore like why is i there's i i want to there's definitely a reason I, there's like a youtube video that keeps popping up in my recommends like why melodies disappeared from movie scores and i just haven't like i like okay i really gotta steady myself that's something i gotta really focus on you know what i mean that's not a passive thing to watch because yeah, i have a lot of thoughts on that what's the last and, uh, movie that came out that you're like you're still humming something from the soundtrack I can't. I mean, the the only thing I could think of, but here's the funny thing. So, Avengers is scored by Alan Silvestri, who also scored Back to the Future. Aside from like the main Avengers hook, I can't tell you of a, a cue from that no. movie, like any of those no. movies. Like I, but like, is, dude, I could, I could tell you, a, I could recognize a cue from Mac and Me. That's how like. <laughs> Uh, how, he also did the music for Mac and Me, and it's weird. The Mac and Me soundtrack sounds like a lot of B sides from the Back to the Future oh soundtrack. Like it's because like, he would go into like weird moans, Alex Vestry. Like he had his that's like he would do his Bernard Hermany stuff. We were talking about Bernard Herman. Like there's a lot of stuff that's very Bernard Hermany, and then there's a lot of stuff that's his own, or at least I don't know the like the reference point for it. And it's like you, but you knew like you could hear some Alan Silvestri stuff and go, "That's Alan Silvestri." Yeah. Like from this time and and uh danny elfman right like you go that's danny elfman circa 1993 like you know what mm -hmm. i mean like like if you heard a danny elfman score today you probably wouldn't, wouldn't recognize it. it no yeah absolutely not this this modern movies that he scored and it's like wait danny elfman did that where he did multiverse of madness mm -hmm. really uh, uh, okay yeah. if you say so wow because I, I couldn't tell you I was the last the last movie score is probably jurassic park is probably what i can hum and after that, it's kind of what what came after that. The Interstellar theme is really good. If you guys have seen that, I see. I've seen it, but it's not something that sticks out. Batman music scene. Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, despite its many many problems, the Batman's uh, music, something especially the theme, the Pattinson. Yes. <laughs> uh, that. I found I, I I have that sound. I I was actually blasting that sound. Really, Batman music always seems to be very memorable. Like I like, I don't know what that is. Maybe that's like I'm not the biggest Batman man, but like I remember like I like, dude. Even what's his name's music in uh, Elliot Goldenthal's music for Batman uh, Forever and Batman and Robin. I'm like I dude. I have those sounds. You also had those posters. Sure did. Oh, I had those posts. I had the Batman. Oh, I had the Batman Forever poster for years up. Ew. People don't forget. Oh, that's so. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I had the Batman. I had Batman and Batman Forever posters up, which is weird because I'm not like the biggest Batman. Yeah, you keep fan. saying that. Yeah, but I, I think oh, I am. On, Frank. Maybe. I, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like getting back to themes like yeah it's like like you'll hear twilight zone music even incidental music and you could recognize it as such like even if you don't know the melody like you go oh that's some that's some twilight zone incidental music like i'm recognizing yeah i mean but yeah you don't get that it's weird i don't know it's it's a weird thing that like stuff is not st and maybe it's worth listen we're old and finished. That's not, <laughs> That's out, of not out of the realm, right? I'm not counting that out. Listen, but I'm scrolling right now through Danny Elfman's uh, all his credits, and I'm in 2012, and I don't see nothing that I even I recognize. Hmm. Spider-Man three in 2009, but 
was really the last. But I it, can't even remember. Oh, him and Raimi wouldn't work together for a long time. There was they had some heat mm. over that. Over hmm. Spider Man Three, a lot of people had a little problem. Yeah, problems they had Spider-Man some heat. <laughs> Yeah, no, but like they like they weren't talking for years after. Like that. the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh wow! Like his Men in Black score, I do is kind of it's up. It's okay. Like I Men in Black score, I like. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Not my favorite of his. I mean, great memorable Danny Elfman score. I know we're going totally off track, but who cares? Um, but uh, maybe this is the show. Maybe this is the show. Um, <laughs> You just use Twilight Zone as the Tales from the Crypt theme. Like mm. Dude, Tales from the Crypt. 96. Great. And this is like everybody like who used to complain that Danny Elfman's music sounded like. Check out the fucking Midnight Run score. That's an amazing score. And it's all guitar heavy. It's all like steel guitar heavy and stuff. It's really awesome. Like, And it's very memorable. Batman, the animated series, guitar. back on Batman. He did that too. I didn't realize. Are you a fan, Frank? You fan? Are Batman you fan of Batman? Series? Do you have the poster? He's not a fan. But... I must. I <laughs> I must. Well, well, I still have the Batman Forever McDonald. I have those too. I set. have those too. Though. Those, those are awesome. awesome. That. But that's that's more. But okay, and we all know this is true. This is more because I have a weird obsession with merchandise tie-in, like uh, movie food. promotional yeah. tie-in, like glassware. That's true. Dude, I have like the star. I I'm not. You know, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I got all the original yeah. like Burger King. The Harry Potter ones you have, and I have the I have the Lord of the Rings ones that light up. Remember those ones? Those were Taco Bell exclusives, kid. I even have Star Trek the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, which I I don't want to. The first time he made, but it's the first time he made Star Wars. Oh, I I ain't touching that. (laughs) I ain't touching that. (laughs) You best edit that out. They'll come for you. That's all right. (laughs) There's fans, uh, like fans and stuff like that. That's the other thing. Nobody's going to be a talk. Dude, remember a few years back, well, getting back to Star Trek, there was like a weird merch push and they were selling the penny for your thoughts, uh, the the fortune telling machine. And it broke my heart. I didn't buy it, but it was really expensive. Remember that? <laughs> what? From from Star Star Trek? Did I say yeah. Star Trek? So Twilight Zone. I said that. Did yeah, I say Star Trek? Said, remember Star Trek merchandise? <laughs> They no, were, they were really not. pushing it. Well, because I was, I was still stuck on Star Trek. But the Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone, Penny for Your yeah. Thoughts episode, yeah. they were selling that, that uh, the fortune telling machine, and it was like three hundred dollars. But I was like really considering buying it because I really want that thing. I love that thing. Yeah, can't wait till we get to that episode because that's gonna be a fun one to talk about. Like, dude, I'm excited like to talk about like some episodes and like discovering ones that I. Probably would have lost. See if that really one could cool. bring us to Danny Elfman as well, maybe. <laughs> that, <laughs> that episode. What? I'm saying we haven't talked about anything to do with this. this Twilight Zone. Like, Not I'm yet. so excited yeah. to talk about that. So maybe we could talk about Danny Elfman again on that one. <laughs> well, that's okay. You go to those places. Yeah, no, it's fine. We went on a weird tangent about Danny Elfman, but that's they don't do themes anymore. <laughs> Guess he's Freddy Krueger. Well, that's cool though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's Popeye and hamburger. <laughs> Do you know what that is, John? Okay. So Chris was I'm so glad Chris was there for this. Do you realize I want I'll never forget. So my mother came over my old apartment and I had like a bunch of like figurines because I'm like a child. I had like Popeye and Wimpy figurines on, like, on my desk. And Chris had just cu- happened to come just over. Happened to stop by. And my mother sees that he's like, oh look. There's Popeye and his friend Hamburger. <laughs> and it's just Chris didn't even laugh. His mouth just opened real wide and he fell flat back, like straight back onto my bed. I just fainted. Like his mouth didn't even open. He's like fainted. In- <laughs> oh my god. And I had a I had a hamburger moment just now when I was calling this Star Trek and I didn't understand why everybody was looking at me funny. <laughs> that, that turns why is everybody looking at me funny? Penny for your that thoughts. Turned, that turned into anytime you have some sort of mental lapse, it's a hamburger. <laughs> yeah, it's become shorthand for mental lapses. She had another one. She or, or like she had another birtation recently, and I can't remember. It was so funny. Like she like completely like 
it's like sad because like we're gonna hit that age where we start mangling like like references that we should know like that's the thing she's this like popeye and wimpy are like icons that were an integral part of her childhood because she's like an old woman so these are things that like like when you start mangling cultural references to that level we're gonna do that one day there's gonna be one day there's gonna be our offspring are gonna laugh because we like mangle like yeah Oh, there's a ghost killer. Because you mean the Ghostbusters dad? <laughs> there's Egbert and Stan. <laughs> we might have gone let's off the say, rails. Let's circle one. back. Let's get back on to the end of this episode. Yes. Uh, he makes the he makes his arrangement with Death and mm-hmm. the little girl. And we talked about all this already. Yeah, we did. We, we, we kind of covered the, the whole ending. episode. Yeah, just cut all you that might, out. Maybe you have to like. There's gonna be a lot of editing no, okay. in all this one. No, you should keep some of it. Maybe just restructure it where we get to the end where it actually is appropriate. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm leaving it the way it is. <laughs> yeah, leave it. It's fun. This is a fun one. See, that's it's cool. Like I, I, this was more relaxed because we just started going off on these tangents. Like maybe rein them in, in the next one. But these are fine. I think these are like kind of fun yeah. to talk about when you kind of like we. Dude, that was fun going on Danny Elfman. You know, it's another fun Daniel since I got you. Here. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I love his theme to The Flash. That gets me pumped, dude. The original, original Flash? Flash with, uh, yeah. with, what's his name? The uh, John Wesley yeah. ship. Is that you, Sugar Bumps? <laughs> <laughs> Is the... <laughs> dude, you have to get that as a drop. Is that you, Sugar Bumps? Yeah, I gotta sugar work bump? on that. I gotta do that. I think we should wrap up. All right. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to the Danny Elfman Hour. Star Trek the movie. (laughs) Thank you for, you know what? The name zoning out. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Popeye and Hamburger podcast. (laughs) I'm Christopher Feinstein. Thank you, everybody, for zoning out. Joined with, as always... John Sack. Frank Minacci. And Judd. I was like so scared. Do I jump in? Who's going to go? Who's going to go? I'm always going to go last. Later, folks. Okay. As it should be. As it should be. All right, Batman. Later, folks. (laughs) All right, Batman. Amber. Yeah. I went on this weird thing. I was like, so Bill Finger (laughs) actually...